0: 1 John chapter number three, and we've been going through the doctrine of salvation, and well, we've been going through this series called um, Continuing Doctrine, looking at all the major Bible doctrines, and we are now in Soteriology, or the doctrine of salvation, and we're taking a little bit longer in this one because uh, we want to understand that the different aspects of this rather than just go through a quick little s- summary of it we want to do a little more detailed study of the most important part of us our salvation and uh, that's the most important day in all of our lives other than the birth there are two birthdays right our, our physical birth um, the day we were born, and then the day we were born again. Those are the most two most important days of our lives. And our th- third, very close, uh, is for those who are married, uh, the day you get married. That's that's uh, an important day, and and uh, the day that your children are born, a, a very important day. Um, and uh, I guess when your uh, kids get married, I don't know, brother Ron, you'll have to tell me how that goes here in a couple weeks. Um, we're we're not there yet. Not for a long time, (laughs) not for a long time, but uh, anyway, Uh, but our salvation is the, other than our birthday, um, I mean this is the day that determines where we spend the rest of eternity, and here, your Bible is open to First John chapter three, and I want to read just the first three verses here, and then we're going to do just a real quick review of what we've already covered, and then we're going to get into the new material for tonight. First uh, John chapter three, verse one says, "Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God." Let me just stop there for a minute. As John is writing this, I just—he's just kind of like his mind is blown, and he's just overwhelmed with like, wow, the the manner of love, the amount of love that God has for us that we who are sinners, we who are wicked, we who are enemies of God could be called instead the sons of God. I mean, what manner of love is that? And so he's just overwhelmed, and it's good for us to once in a while... Think about it, and again, be overwhelmed like He was. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. Then verse 2 says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And every man that hath this hope in Him purifieth himself, even as he is pure." And in these three verses, we're going to look at here in a moment um, the, kind of the, uh, the timeline of things that happen for those who are in Christ. All right, well, as we've gone through this uh, little mini-series within the series here as we've talked about salvation, first we looked at the problems of salvation, and we talked first about the holiness of God. Now, you might think, well, that's not a problem, and it's not a problem, I mean, that's just who God is, He's holy, 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 but when it comes to us getting to heaven, uh, that that de- definitely is a major barrier to us getting to heaven, because He is completely, totally pure. It says here in verse number 3, um, even every man has this hope in Him, purified himself even as He is pure. He's totally pure, He's holy, and we're not. And so that poses a tremendous problem. So the holiness of God, we talked about the sinfulness of man and our condition. And then we talked about the penalty for sin, our, our course, where we're headed. Um, and uh, because of our sin, we're all headed to a place called hell. That's what we all deserve. We all deserve to perish. Uh, we all deserve to be consumed. And uh, it is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. And, and there is a penalty for sin. The wages of sin is death. And because of all of our sin, we all deserve that penalty. And and all of those things pose tremendous problems. The holiness of God, the sinfulness of man, the penalty of sin. And we mentioned, secondly, uh, the provision for salvation, or the provision of salvation. So there was tremendous problems, but to God be the glory, and thanks be to God that He has provided a way of salvation. And uh, that's the message that Brother Ron and, and Miss Rachel are are passionate to get out there in Croatia and the shipments in Germany and and us here in more in Oklahoma City uh, metro. Uh, we're to try to get that message that God has provided a way of salvation, and uh, he provided a he provided a way. And I again like how um, when in Genesis chapter 22 when Abraham's going up the mountain with. Uh, Isaac, his son, and, and his son goes, hey, I see the, I see the fire, I see everything, but, uh, but where's the sacrifice? And, and I love how Abraham says, uh, God will provide himself a lamb. And he did provide a lamb, but he provided himself as the lamb. Because God became flesh and dwelt among us, and He became the Lamb of God, which was slain from uh, the foundation of the world for our sin. So God provided a way of salvation. Then last Wednesday night, we looked at, thirdly, the price of salvation. We looked at what it cost. And uh, while it is a free gift to each and every one of us, it was not free for the person or for the Lord who purchased it. And we talked about the fact that the price of salvation, it was extremely expensive. And we walked through uh, the fact that Jesus bl- uh, shed His blood for us, and we looked at all the different uh, moments where He shed blood in the Garden of Gethsemane, as, uh, and then the scourging and the um, crown of thorns, and then, uh, remember, they put the robe on Him, and then they ripped the robe off of Him, and and exposing those wounds once again, and... Um, and then, of course, the nails and then the spear all all those things produced or caused him to shed his blood, so it was extremely expensive, and it cost him his life and his blood. It was exclusive, in other words, it was the only payment that could be paid for our sin there's nothing else that could have been done; it was exclusive and then thirdly, we mentioned it was enough, and the fact is that um, it was enough to forgive me that that payment that was made. It was it was enough to forgive me of all my sins, past, present, and future. But not only was it enough to forgive me of all my sins, it was enough to forgive you of all of your sins and and the sins of all those living in Croatia, all those living in Germany, and all those living here in in Oklahoma City area and and and, and throughout the whole world. And uh, so it was enough, and I'm thankful for that. Now. Number four tonight, or number one on your outline, uh, as you're taking notes there, is the process of salvation. The next thing we want to talk about is the process of salvation. Now while salvation happens in a moment of time, when we're born again, so, you know, most of us, uh, I I don't know if you remember your exact time when you were born. Uh, Of course you probably don't remember it, like, oh yeah, I remember what time it was when I was born. You had to be told what time it was you were born. I actually know the time I was born. My parents told me that I was born at 6.15 p.m. And uh, so I, you know, my mom and dad, you know, it was during the, the daytime-ish, kind of early evening. Luke was born, um, I, I'm not going to remember all the exact times of our children. Don't tell my wife. Um, but uh, it was about 7 o'clock in the evening. Seth, you were born about 11 o'clock in the morning, a little after. Faith was born about 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and Mark, he was born about 5 in the morning. And um, and it's rough, uh, rough estimates there. Uh, but anyway, we, we have an exact time when we're born, and same thing is true with salvation. There's an exact time that we're born again. And while that happens in a moment, um, there are there are things that happen um, in our salvation, and there is there is a process here. Now, uh, let me, let me kind of go through this and, and go through the outline and explain it to you what I mean by the process, okay? Um, it, it happens at a moment, but there is still a process of salvation. So what happens at the moment of our salvation is we look back at the moment in the past. In the past, first of all, we are saved from the penalty of sin. So in the past, first we are saved from the penalty of sin. In that moment of our salvation, when we were born again, when I was 12 years old, when I placed my faith in Christ, and, and that's when I was saved, that's when I was born again, that's when I was saved from the penalty of sin. So no longer now am I going to have to spend eternity in a place called hell. Uh, at that moment, I was saved from the penalty of sin. Remember John 3.16 We all know it, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth Him should not perish. So at that moment, we no longer have to perish. We no longer have to pay the penalty for our sin that we all deserve to pay. Um, So in that moment of salvation, as we look at it in the past, we are saved from the penalty of sin. While we all deserve to perish in a place called hell, because of his mercy, we can be saved from the penalty of our sin. And that happens in a moment. Our eternal address goes from hell to heaven in that moment. Um, And I'm thankful for that. So as I look back at the day of my salvation, that was a day when the penalty of my sin was taken care of. I went from a future resident of hell to a future resident of heaven. And actually, in that moment, I was made a citizen of heaven at that moment. It's as good as done. And so, in the past, we are saved from the penalty of sin. But then, um, and and we see that here in in 1 John 3, in verse number 1, um, it says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. So, in that moment of our salvation, uh, we are called the sons of God, we become part of His family, and no longer do we have to pay for the penalty of our sin. Okay, so, in the past, we're saved from the penalty of our sin. What about the present? Secondly, let's look at the present here. Present, we are saved from the power of sin. So as we continue to grow in our Christian life and go through our Christian life, we, we have been saved from the power of sin so that no longer do we have to sin any longer. And we see this in verse number 3 here. Every man that hath this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. So we are to purify ourselves, and we can we can live a holy life. We can live a righteous life because of what happened in that moment of salvation. So we are saved from the power of sin. No longer does sin have power over us. And uh, the better passage to go through on this is Romans chapter 6. So if you would take your Bible and turn over there very quickly, and uh, we'll be back here in, in 1 John 3 in just a, in a couple moments here, but... Uh, Romans chapter number 6 is a tremendous passage telling us that, hey, look, as a believer, you no longer have to sin. I know we're still tempted to sin. I know we still do sin. I know that it is still a struggle. Uh, All of us understand that, but uh, we no longer have to in Christ. We've been set free. Okay, verse uh, 1 we, we got to kind of start in, in chapter 5, verse 20, just because it's such a great verse. Moreover, the law entered, that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. I just love that. That even at, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, now we go into chapter 6. And remember, this was not like Paul wrote. Okay, new chapter You know, when you're like dictating something in Siri, you're like, "New paragraph." You could do that actually; it's pretty cool. Um, Paul didn't do that. Okay, he wasn't like, "New chapter, Siri." Go to go to chapter six now. This was just one continuous thought, and uh, you know the um, the the Bible the Bible translators. um, You know, when they did the King James here, they um, and and they put all the Word of God together, they began to separate it by verse and chapter and all that, but in the original, it was just one continuous thought. And so, now he goes here to this, Paul goes, okay, I know what you're going to ask. And so he said, what shall we say then, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Because he said in verse 20 of chapter 5, hey, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So should we continue to sin so that grace could continue to abound even more? Because we want grace to abound. Do we want to continue to sin so that grace will will continue to abound? And then he answers the question in verse 2, God forbid, absolutely not, how shall we, and then he answers it by, by saying this, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So as a believer, you are now dead to sin. You have been saved from the power of sin. You no longer have to sin. He goes on in verse 3, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That, Like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And by the way, we can because we have been saved from the power of sin. Verse 5, For if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall... Be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Verse 7, For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we also shall, or all, shall also live with him. Okay. <clears throat> And then he says in verse number 11, I'm just going to bump down to verse 11, Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness and sin. Sin shall not have dominion over you, why? Because you're not under the law, but under grace. Do you see here? And, and boy, we can keep reading, and the rest of this whole chapter deals with this, but it's, it's that whole illustration. If we have, if we have a funeral uh, tonight, and we have uh, a, a, a person in the, in the casket, and we all come by, and we try to you know, tempt him to, to sin, you know? we try to like, punch him in the nose and say, okay, now what are you going to do? Is he going to get angry? Is he going to get bitter and upset at us? No, he's dead. You know, we offer him some type of, um, you know, some type of temptation. I'm, I'm the, my brain's not working on what time temptation we could give him, but whatever. You, you, you tempt him with whatever. He's not going to sin. He's not going to fall in that temptation. Why? Because he's dead. And you and I as believers are to uh, reckon ourselves... In verse number 11, uh, to be dead unto sin. We don't have to sin anymore, because in Christ, our old man has been crucified. And we're not under the law, but we're now under grace. And so, um, our present scenario is we are saved from the power of sin. As a believer, I've been set free from its power, and I am now no longer under its authority. So, you know, the devil made me do it. Um, sin the temptation was just too strong. That's actually uh, not accurate biblically. Okay. And so I know that the temptation may be strong, but um, let's, let's turn over very quickly to 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10. And verse number 13. I realize the temptation's strong, but in Christ, we, we're no longer under sin's power. An unsaved person, they're under sin's power. They're servants to sin. It's because that's just how we are as, as unbelievers. But as believers, we have been set free from that, and we no longer have to sin. And so the addiction that maybe you're struggling with, you don't have to be, you don't have to be addicted to that anymore. Because as a believer, He has given you that, the power over that sin. Okay, First 1 Corinthians 10.13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man... I mean, look, we all kind of deal with the same thing. You may not deal with the temptations that I deal with, but, but there's a plenty of people on this planet that deal with the same temptations you do. We they're, they're are all, all made of the same dirt, right? And uh, so, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able. Well, it was just too strong of a temptation. No, that's not God's fault. I mean, He promised that He will not allow us as believers to be tempted above that we're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. So, as we are tempted, here's what we need to be looking for. Okay, Lord, where's the, uh, where's the escape hatch? Where's, where's the exit door? How do I get out of this? I think of Joseph in the book of Genesis, as he was there in Potiphar's house, and uh, Mrs. Potiphar grabbed, grabbed him and said, you're going to lie with me, you're going to have an immoral relationship with me, um, and he looked for the way of escape. Now, how did that turn out for him? You think, well, that didn't turn out too good for him. He ended up in prison. Well, ultimately, he ended up being the second in command in all of Egypt, And God used him in a great way to really provide for the whole world at that time. Um, But he looked for that way of escape, but he got himself out of there. So when we're tempted to sin, we need to look for that way of escape and run through that door instead of saying, I have to sin. Uh, Actually, biblically, no, you don't have to sin. You've been set free from the power of it as a believer. Okay, let's go back to uh, 1 John chapter number 3, and then let's look at thirdly here, not only the past that we were saved from the penalty of sin, currently we are being saved from the power of sin, but in the future we are saved from the presence of sin. One day, to God be the glory, sin will no longer be around us. I'm excited about this. I'm looking forward to the fact that one day there's gonna be no more sin. And first John three and verse two, beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be or what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. When Jesus comes back, one day we're gonna receive a glorified body, and temptations are not gonna have any power on us at all. I mean, we're not going to... The old man is gone, and we're going to have a glorified body, and no longer are we even going to be tempted to sin. And I can't wait for that. Because the truth of the matter is, I mean, we read Romans chapter 6, and how it clearly de- details the fact that we no longer have to sin. But then if we were to go to Re- uh, Romans chapter 7, the very next chapter, Paul admits the struggle that is real for all of us. He said, the things that... I know I shouldn't do. Unfortunately, those are the things that I do. And the things that I really want to do and those are the things excuse me that chilies is uh, we had chilies for dinner and I'm 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 getting a uh, I'm enjoying it again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sorry. That's too much information from up here. I'm sorry. Okay. But anyway, the things that I don't want to do, those are the things I do. The things that I want to do, those are the things I'm not doing. And He said, look, they're, they're, we're not perfect. We're, we're, but one day, when Jesus comes back, uh, we shall be like Him, John says here in verse 2. We shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And I, I'm looking forward to that day. Revelation 21 and verse 27. It says this, And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination, or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. So when we go to heaven, there's not going to be sin in heaven. I mean, no longer is there going to be inappropriate things. There's not going to be a temptation to lie, cheat, steal, or anything of that nature. It's, It's just not there. And so I guess the question for all of us tonight is, is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? I mean, do you have a future where you're not going to be in the presence of sin? Um, I remember uh, about three weeks ago, um, I took our family to uh, the Dallas Stars game. By the way, Dallas Stars are on right now. But don't be checking the score, okay? Um, but we went to the Dallas Stars game a few weeks ago as a family and we had a great time. But when we were, we, we parked and I, I purchased the tickets on my phone, you know, I think earlier that day or, or, or maybe the day before. And I kind of forgot about it until we got to the game and we're walking to, from, our, from our car to the stadium and I'm like, okay, I gotta just pull this up and, and get the things and I, and I kept trying. And it said, uh, we have no record of your tickets. And I'm looking at this thing and I'm walking with my family to the game. We had driven three hours down to Dallas and we're walking to the game and I'm like, okay, something's not right here. And I try again and it says, yeah, um, something is wrong, uh, try again later. I'm like, the game is about to start. We got to, g- I don't want to try again later. I want this to work now. I, I need my tickets. And and I tried again. and and. And we, we stopped at, I think, one of the intersections for a minute. And I'm like, i gotta fix, I got to figure this out. And uh, finally, I got it working. And I'm like, OK, I've got our tickets. OK, all is well. Everything, we're all going to get to go to the game. And, and the kids were starting to panic, like, we're not going to get to go in. Um, and uh, I was starting to panic. I'm like, I'm not going to get to go in. <laughs> like, I wanted to go in more than everybody else. Um, now, here's, here's the deal. OK, I, I show that. A little story with you to say um, and to ask you do you have your ticket to heaven um, because if you don't you're not getting in and uh, we already talked about how God provided a ticket for you it was expensive for him it's the only ticket you could have it's, it's sufficient enough to get you into heaven but do you have it Has there been a moment in your life when you received Christ as your Savior, when you trusted Him um, with your... Has there been a time when you were born again? And if not, tonight's the night to get that settled. It really is. Uh, Don't wait till tomorrow because you don't know what a day may bring forth. Our life's a vapor, appears for a little time, and then vanisheth away. So do you have your ticket? Let me go to the next thought here, the next major thought, and I don't know how far I'll get with this, but I do want to at least start it tonight. I want to talk about the prerequisites for salvation. Prerequisites for salvation. So what is necessary for salvation? How does someone get saved? What is required of us? Now, simply put, nothing, but there are... But, but, but there's a caveat to that, okay? I want to explain it a little bit. And um, now, now we know that, most of us know that we're not saved by works, right? We, we can't be saved because we're part of a church. Uh, we can't be saved because we're a member somewhere of a church that, that doesn't get anybody heaven. We, we don't get saved through baptism. Remember the uh, thief on the cross when he was there uh, right next to Jesus? And he said, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And, and, and Jesus said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. As long as you come down from the cross and join Cornerstone Baptist Church and get baptized and start tithing and get involved in ministry, then, then you'll be with me in paradise. No, no, that's not what he said, of course. We know that he said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. He didn't come down from the cross and do any of those things. So salvation does not, it does not come through works or anything we can do. We cannot earn salvation. In fact, Jesus said of those who um, were involved in church and uh, doing all these religious things, that still does not, guar- that does not guarantee anybody a place in heaven. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 and 20 through 23 says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, and and the sad word in that whole whole phrase that I just said is the word many. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name have cast out devils. In thy name done many wonderful works. Then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So there's going to be, you know, somebody asked you know, you Baptists, you believe you're going to be the only ones in heaven? Okay, no. Um, in fact, I believe that many Baptists are not going to heaven. Because there's a lot of Baptists who are doing good things and they're involved in the church and all that, but they haven't really ever been born again. And they're relying upon their good works. Yes, even Baptists. And I hope none in our church, but if that's you, uh, you might be involved in a lot of things here, but that doesn't guarantee you're going to get into heaven because, again, and here's why I know that, 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 that there are going to be Baptists that are going to not be in heaven, because Jesus said, many will say to me in that day. There's going to be a lot of people, sadly, who are going to say, hey, we've been involved, we did all these things, and, and we did them for good reason, we had good intention, we were doing them in your name. He's going to say, that's wonderful, but I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So we know we're not saved by works. We know that. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 tells us a little bit of why. He says, for by grace are you saved through faith, not, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. And here's why. lest any man should boast. Okay, we're not going to get to heaven and... And uh, Brother Ron and I aren't going to see each other in heaven, and we're going to say, Hey, Brother, good to see you. How'd you get here? And he's going to say, Well, I was a missionary for 20-plus years, and uh, I served on the foreign mission field. And, and I'm going to say, Oh, yeah? Well, I was a pastor in Oklahoma. Take that! <laughs> Boom! I had to deal with a bunch of Okies. <laughs> I had to learn to say, y'all, so take that. And then somebody else comes along and said, well, I had to be a member of Cornerstone Baptist Church and put up with you, pastor, so take that. Like, good point. (laughs) Okay, yeah, you deserve to be here, actually. See, no, the thing is, is we're, we're not going around boasting about what we did to get there. That's not how it works. We're not going to go around saying, oh, yeah, well, I'm better than you, and that's why I'm here. No, no, no. We're all going to, if we're, when we're there, if, if that conversation happens, and I say, Brother Ron, how'd you get here? He's going to say, "Want anything about me. It's everything what he did. And, and, and there was a moment when I placed my faith in Christ, and, and, and that's why I'm here, and I'm going to be like, same for me. Same for all of us. So it's not by works because, you know, we're not going around boasting. Okay, Romans 11.6 is a reference you can write down, and it's a little bit of a tongue twister. It's kind of the tongue twister verse of the Bible in my mind. Um, It'd be a tough one to memorize and quote because it is confusing, and I'm going to read it really fast, and then I'll read it really slow. I'm going to see if I can read it really fast for you. And if by grace, then it is no more of works, otherwise grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace, otherwise work is no more work. What did that just, what does that mean? Okay, I'll read it a little slower. Okay, if by grace, then it is no more of works. He's talking about salvation. If by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. Basically, what Paul is saying here is, you're either saved only by grace or by works. It can't be a mixture of both. And you you can't say, well, it's partly works and partly grace. No, no, it's, it's only grace or only work. And we know in Ephesians 2... For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of, it's not of works. So, if it's not of works, then what is required of us to be saved? Now, two things. Simply put, repentance and faith. And we're going to unpack these two for a little bit. Now, I do want to say, either one of these, uh, or these are not something that... While it is a choice, ultimately, God, God is the one who does all the saving. It's not that, you know, because again, we don't want to claim, oh, yeah, well, I have such great faith. Oh, yeah, well, I have such great repentance. Again, it's, we, we need to be careful to not uh, go down that, that path to where we start putting too much emphasis on our part in this, but God does give us a choice. Now let's talk first about repentance, and I don't want to. We're, we're not going to get through all of this tonight, and that's okay. We'll 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 pick it up here next week, um, because I, I want to take some time to explain this. Now, repentance is an important element in salvation, and here's why: because it is mentioned sixty times in the New Testament. It's it's not a popular thing to preach. It's not really taught all that much, but. In the New New Testament, it is mentioned quite a few times. Now, uh, here's just an example. Um, John the Baptist, he preached repentance. Okay, Matthew 3 and verses 1 and 2, it says, "...in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand." Okay, so John the Baptist preached repentance, Okay, what about this one? Jesus preached repentance. Mark 1.15, saying, The time is fulfilled. When he came on the scene, he began preaching, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye, and believe the gospel. So the, the word repentance is used by Jesus, or repent. Um, in Luke 13.3, Jesus says, I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. So repentance is important, John the Baptist preached it, Jesus preached it, and really that's enough, but then Paul preached it as well in Acts 17 and verse number 30, and the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. This is um, as he's preaching there in Athens on Mars Hill, he says, um, he commands all men everywhere to repent. And then later, Acts chapter 20 and verse 21, he testifying both to the Jews and also the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. So really, we see in in, in that verse right there that repentance and faith are are necessary for salvation. Peter also taught repentance. He preached it in the book of Acts, but also as he writes his epistle in 2 Peter 3:9. Most of us are familiar with this verse. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to most of us kind of in our minds go to salvation or to faith. But really the word is repentance. So it is emphasized in the scriptures. Okay, what is repentance then? And here, here, here's some, not definitions, but, but aspects of repentance, okay? Repentance means to turn around to change directions. It means to admit that you were wrong and to turn around. And there was one time we were traveling up to Northern California when we were living in Southern California for vacation. And we were excited to get to the cabin that we would go to every summer and uh, it was just nice to get away and we were heading up there. Well, we were bringing a trailer and uh, the trailer, um, something happened in the trailer and I had to stop on the side of the road and and uh, fix it. We went through some pretty terrible wind and so I had to try to fix it and then we got off the, the freeway to get some like more bungee cords and things like that at one of those truck stops and so I fixed the trailer and then we get back on the freeway and we're, we're heading down and I'm about 20 minutes down the road and I realize instead of going north, I am now going south. So when I got, on that, got off the freeway to fix the trailer, when I was coming, got back on the freeway, I, I, didn't, I wasn't paying attention. I just went back south and Julie's like, what, what's going on? And I'm like, ah, I'm going the wrong direction. And the problem was the turnaround, the next exit, was way down the road. I think it was another 10 miles down the road. So that whole little journey took like an hour. And I was pretty upset. But I could have just said, you know what, let's just go home. But when I realized I was wrong, I, had, I was willing to turn around. So that's repentance. Okay, Repentance means to turn around to change directions. And when it comes to our relationship with God, it's hey, I'm going the wrong direction in my sin. I, I'm on my way to a place called hell, and if I continue down this path I'm going to end up there. And yet, God has made a way so I'm going to turn around and turn from that to the Lord. That's repentance. Okay, Repentance also is to admit that I am a sinner before God. It's to, to say that, hey, I am your enemy and I I accept your offer of forgiveness and your uh mercy and your grace. Repentance also means to surrender to God's rule again where I'm now we're going down this path I'm I'm serving sin I'm involved in sin and and that's just my life and I'm turning around and saying okay I want to leave that life behind, and now I want to serve the Lord. I want to follow Him. I want to um, submit to His leadership and Lordship in my life. And and then repentance also, uh, well, here's an example here. Repentance is a thief returning stolen property. Okay, So somebody who's truly repentant, when they get saved, they're not going to be like, okay, well, I'm just going to keep going down this path hey, I prayed a prayer, and you know, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me, but I'm going to keep going down this path and keep sinning. No, now repentance means I'm going to make things right. I'm going to get things right in my life. Not perfection, not sinless perfection, but there's going to be a change. You think about Zacchaeus when he got saved, for example. Remember Zacchaeus? He was the wee little man. The wee little man was he and he climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. You know the song. Okay. You, you can't mention Zacchaeus without going to the song. Okay? <laughs> I can't in my mind. Um, but what happens after he gets saved? Right? He believes on Christ, and Jesus says, Today salvation has come to thy house. Well, what happens after that? He realizes what he has done. He realized the direction he was going. He turned around and said, I don't, I don't want to do that anymore. In fact, I, I need to make some things right. I have cheated and stolen some, pe- some people's money. And, and I need to make that right. And he, he could have just given back the money he stole, but he did it up four times. That's repentance. That's getting things settled. That's getting things right. The prodigal son in Luke 15, as he realized, as he was living for himself, and, 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 and wasted his substance on riotous living, and, and, and he kept going down this path, and finally he kind of hit a place where he's, you know, in the pig pen and eating the slop that the, kids, the pigs eat. And he's like, what am I doing here? My father's back home, and maybe, I should, maybe, maybe he'll let me be one of his hired servants. And so he, he, he rises up and... and turns from his life, the course of his life. There's repentance in his life, and he walks back towards his dad. Of course, his dad's waiting for him and runs to him, hugs him and kisses him, and that boy had to reek to high heaven. And he put his arms around him and, and planted a big old love and kiss on his son. But repentance is getting up and turning around and going home. And then one more example, and then we'll we'll close for tonight and talk about faith next week. But First uh, Thessalonians chapter number one. Let's turn over there real quick. I want I want to show you this verse, and I'll make a couple comments about it, and then we'll wrap it up. But First Thessalonians chapter number one, verse number verse number eight or verse number seven, and and then through verse nine. I said one verse. Okay, three. Just to give us context here. Okay, verse 7, so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. So the church there at Thessalonians, Thessalonica, I'm sorry, they were examples to all that believe there. They were were a great church. Verse 8 says, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. I mean, this church was doing the work on getting the gospel out. I mean, their faith was just kind of widely known. Everybody who, everybody who heard from the Thessalonians just knew that this church family was, uh, was a good church family. They were getting the gospel out. Their faith was well known in that area, in every place. And Paul said, we didn't even have to, really, we were kind of bored. We didn't have anything to do because you guys did a great job. Okay, but verse number 9 Here it is, for they themselves show of of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how, here's the repentance part of the uh, verse that I want to show you, how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. So at one point, these people that lived in Thessalonica were heading down this road, right, in sin, in worshiping false idols, and then all of a sudden, the gospel came, and then they turned from those idols unto God and started serving God. So that's repentance. So tonight, if you say, well, I, I've been saved, I prayed a prayer, but I'm still serving sin and, and, and walking down this path, and I've never... Had a desire in my heart to follow God and to live for God. Well, I wonder then if there's real repentance and real salvation. Again, I know you can take this a little too far to where it becomes a work, but it's not a work. It's just this moment of realization that I'm heading the wrong direction. I'm turning around to serve Him in in salvation. And I hope that makes sense. And we'll talk more about the faith aspect of this. Next Wednesday night, and I hope that you'll come. And uh, so, um, if you're everybody, just has to come back to next Wednesday night, okay, to to hear the rest of the message. That's that's just the bottom line. Let's pray together, and uh, we'll uh, we'll take some prayer requests here, and uh, we'll conclude our service in a little bit. Let's pray, Lord. Thank you for the time together tonight to discuss the importance of salvation and the the process. Uh, thank You, Lord, for the fact that in salvation we are safe from the penalty of sin. We no longer have to perish. We never, no longer have to go to a place called hell that we all deserve. But we're grateful for Your grace that has rescued us from that. Thank You, Lord, that as believers we no longer have to sin. We've been saved from the power of sin. And Lord, You've made us free from that. And Lord, help us to live in such a way that exhibits that. Help us, Lord, to not just... Have the excuse, well, it's just a, such a strong temptation to me. Help us to realize we've been set free from that. Help us to realize that, and and to reckon ourselves dead indeed unto sin. Lord, thank you for the one the promise that one day we will be saved from the presence of sin. And and Lord, thank you for the opportunity to look at the importance of repentance in salvation. Uh, Lord doesn't get talked about very much, but Lord, still very important and necessary. And a real part of our salvation in Christ. And uh, Lord, I pray that if there's one here tonight that's not truly saved, Lord, may they get that settled tonight. May they may they place their faith in you and repent of their sin and, and trust you alone for their salvation. And stop depending upon themselves and anything they can do. But Lord, may they return from their sin and, and uh, believe on you. And uh, Lord, thank you for the time together tonight. In Jesus' name.